We have a busy week at Kingsway. Wednesday, instead of our usual Wednesday night service, Van um, will be leaving at 5.30. There is an associational gathering for Christmas at Rosedale. Love for you to come. Uh, join us in the van if you can't get there on time to come out there and celebrate. Terry and Samantha are going to be out there speaking as well. be a great opportunity to support them and to share with our brothers and sisters. And then Thursday uh, with the ladies' study. Uh, Jim, you were asking what they do. I had a scary thought while I was sitting there. I thought, uh, Logan, you're not going to teach them how to make those aprons, are you? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> and then... Friday, 6 o'clock, Christmas Eve service. We have a sign-up sheet on the door out there. You know me, guys. The more participation, the better. God's laid something on your heart to sing or to read or in some way to share. Uh, Please be a part of that. Let me know and, and sign up for that. It's a great blessing. We are blessed to be here today and a uh, different type of Christmas service. As we think about our Lord, we're also going to be thinking about one of His servants to be ordained today, Alan Jones, for the office of deacon. And as I share this message, I want to have a couple of scripture readings this morning. I want to begin in Isaiah chapter 53, and then we're going to move to the Gospel of John and the book of Acts. I'll ask us as our practice to stand in God's honor. So I read from the text, Isaiah 53, 7. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. And then turn me to the New Testament, the Gospel of John. Chapter 1. Verse 29. The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And one more reading. The book of Acts, chapter 6. First four verses. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. Let's pray. Here we are again, Master. We need you. We're here to worship you. We know we're not there yet, Lord. We know we need to share you. That should be our hearts, God. And I pray this morning, as we have a special time to remember the suffering servant, the greatest servant of all, the one who is to be our guide, the one who calls our steps. And as we think of this servant to be ordained, Lord, we just want this service to please you, Lord. We just want you to be lifted up. 
And God, I'm always humbled by an opportunity to be a part of that. And I just don't want to get in the way. I ask for your anointing. I ask for your spirit. I ask that you might just show yourself to us in your power. Uh, we've enjoyed you so far, Lord, and I just want that to continue. God, have your way in this time. We need you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. If you were the Son of God, how would you have arrived? I, I wrote some thoughts down on this. Would you have chosen a palace or a stable? An ornate nursery or a manger? A nanny or a nanny? A wealthy family or a low middle class family? Comfortable surroundings or calloused hands? The, the promised one, the Messiah, was perceived to be a conquering king sent by God to overthrow the Roman Empire. Instead, he was king of another land, interested in bringing in a different type of reign. He did not come with a sharp sword or a fierce army primed for bloodshed. He came as a gentle lamb ready to be led to the slaughter. He conquered sin through submission this is, certainly was and is as much a sign of the fact that He is deity. He is God. Every bit as much as His healings and the anointed messages He spoke. Human nature cries out against the course of action Jesus chose to take. How could the all-powerful, all-innocent one choose to be scourged? How could the Lord of all endure the cross when a simple utterance would have leveled His enemies Every natural part of us wants revenge when we are offended and when we are hurt. But Jesus showed us another way as the ultimate servant. Maybe you heard about the lady who was really discouraged just because of the difficulties of life. She was walking along the beach and as she looked down in the sand, there was a bottle. So she reached down, she picked up the bottle, she rubbed the bottle, cork popped out. Whoosh! Out comes this genie. And the genie says, Thank you, you freed me from my prison. As it is written in our law, you get three wishes. But there's one thing you need to know. Whatever you wish for, your mate gets double. She goes, Oh man, he's a real bum. He left me for another woman. He's a real worm. He says, Well, that's the way it's written. That's what you got to do. And so she thought and said, Okay, I want a million dollars. Poof. Man, she's got a million dollars. Somewhere far away, her husband looks down, there's $2 million. He's like, wow! So, second wish. I want the most expensive diamond necklace in the world. Whoosh! Yeah, she's got this beautiful diamond necklace. Her husband's looking down and saying, man, i got to find somebody to sell this to. This is worth some major money. And she said, okay, let me get this right, Jeannie. Everything I ask for, my husband gets double of, Right? She goes, yeah, so he's got $2 million, right? So he's got a necklace twice what mine is, right? He says, okay, um, Jeannie, you scared me half to death. <laughs> now, isn't that human nature? Isn't that the way that we are? And yet, our Lord showed another way. Who else but God could be scourged, could face the crucifixion? Who else but God could be that humble? that submissive, that in tune with the Heavenly Father. And yet we're called to walk like Him. You see, Jesus was not just a man. 
He was man and God coupled together. The virgin birth. He was God who walked in flesh. The incarnation. And He is the one, guys, we are here to worship today. He is the one who entered humanity so that we might have hope. The Bible says, God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. That's why we're here. That's our hope. And praise be to God that we don't have to fully grasp and understand that to receive it. I mean, how little do we really know? Some of these people with their high IQs are foolish. Those high IQs are neutral. And some may say, well, that's offensive to call someone like that a fool who's so much higher above you in intelligence. I'm just saying what the Bible says. The Bible says in Psalm 14.1, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. You know what it is to be a fool? To be a fool simply means that you live as if God doesn't exist. That's all it is to be a fool. It's to totally leave God out of your life. And that is the most foolish thing you can do. Because no one loves you as much as God loves you. He died for you. And He died for me. And guys, He is our hope. Uh, Think about that. I read a few thoughts here. Um, Just because we're too small to fathom the vastness of God doesn't mean God's not there. Can you drink the ocean? Can you see all the sky? Can you hear the sound every creature makes? Can you clean out the Golden Corral buffet? Shame on you for trying. We don't have to know everything or be able to do everything to receive all of God's blessing. The fullness of Jesus Christ. The perfect sacrifice given to us at Calvary. Guys, He's going to come again. And He's going to come as a line of the tribe of Judah. But the first time He came, He came as a suffering servant. The first time He came, He submitted Himself to be beaten beyond what we can even imagine, and to die upon a cross, to be nailed to a cross and to hang there. And what he said, he said, Father, forgive them, because they don't know what they're doing. And we don't know what we're doing. We need a Savior. We need someone to stand in our place, to die for us so that we might live for Him. And that's what the Gospel, guys, is all about. He's called the Lamb. Listen to it. This is in the book of Revelation. It says, All the inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life. The Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. You see, there will come a day where all that will ultimately matter. Is, Is your name written there in the Lamb's book of life? Because there's only one that paid the real price for sin. His name is Jesus. And He has this book. And for those who place the weight of their confidence, their full belief in Jesus, your name is written in that book. And God has a record of that. So that when the time comes for the judgment, they're going to be looking in the book for your name. And guys, if you're not there, nothing else is going to matter. So that has to be settled. That has to be dealt with. We're told in 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, For you are not redeemed with perishable things such as silver or gold, the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Jesus lived for others. He died for us so we might live for Him. And that's our call. Those of us who are His kids, those of us who are His children, is we are to give ourselves away. 
We, we are to live for Him and ultimately to live for others. Guys, we're to look up, and when we look up, He ultimately gives us the love to look out that we might see the hurts and that we might take His love to other people. I, I love that song in the video. Are we there yet? To go and to faithfully share. I, turn with me. I want to share a verse with you. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, I think beautifully speaks about this truth of being a servant. It says, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us, and gave Himself for us, up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So, we're to be like God. And what did God do? He loved us. And He sacrificed for us. And, and that's what it means to be a servant. Jesus is the ultimate servant. He came for us. And, and this morning we have the joy as Alan comes before us to be ordained as a deacon. And he and Charlotte are such a blessing to the Kingsway folk. We love them so much. and uh, It's a no-brainer. They love the Lord. And we're grateful for a willingness that they have to serve that that's, that's the calling. That's what God wants to do through Alan. And that's the kind of work He wants to do. And there's a description in uh, chapter 6, this last passage here that I want to share. Speaking of the choosing of the seven, the very word deacon means a servant. The office of deacon is not specifically spoken here. Some say these are deacons, some say they're not. But I think that the very heart of a deacon is certainly shared in the passage. So I want to share with you uh, just briefly here. It talks about in that days, there was a good old church disagreement. You know, churches, if there's more than one, there's opportunity for a disagreement, an opportunity for grace. There was complaining among the Hebraic Jews and the Greek Jews. Uh, widows were being ignored. They're not getting the right amount of food. It says in verse 2, So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It not, would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God in order to wait on tables. Choose seven men from among you, brothers, who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We'll turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. And it goes on, guys, and it goes on to name these seven guys that were chosen. And uh, just a few thoughts here. I spent a lot of time here, but two were spoken of specifically that these are some guys that were gifted, at least two of them we know about. One of them was Stephen, who it says spoke with wisdom and, and power, and, and God used him to, to share the truth and to impact lives, so much so that he was brought before a, a mock court. And he was accused of crimes he didn't commit. And all he did was stand up for Jesus. All he did was, was be bold in his message of Jesus. And you know the story. It talks about in the next chapter that he was led out and they stoned him to death because of their anger, because they were confronted with their sin and, and, and what happened to Jesus and how they were guilty. 
God used this guy. And then there's another guy that's mentioned by the name of Philip. Philip was also an amazing guy. He was called in Acts 21, Philip the Evangelist. Boy, that suited him. It said that he went into Samaria in this bustling city and he shared the gospel. Great things were happening. People were being healed. God was being lifted up. Jesus being exalted, praised. And then God spoke to Philip and said, uh, time to leave the city and go to the desert. So he goes to the desert where there's nobody, man. It's just like a desolate road. And here comes this guy in a chariot, an Ethiopian. And he's going down through there. And that's why God sent him. to. The... He sent him from revival in a city because he cared about the one. And that's our God. He always cares about. He cares about the individual. It's not the crowd. It's the child. That's God. And, and, and he went there. God used him as an evangelist. And we see that picture But there's guys that are gifted, and it doesn't talk about the other five. Maybe they weren't as, you know, obviously powerfully gifted, but they were gifted. Because it says that the people looked at these guys, and they chose them. Because they were people that were full of the Spirit and full of wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom is the application of spiritual knowledge. So what's the deal here? for a deacon, for that matter, for any child of God. But as a spiritual leader, the deal is not to just talk the talk, but to walk the walk. One of the greatest needs in the church today is authenticity. I believe with all my heart, one of the greatest needs in the church today is people who are real. You know, Peter Marshall used to say there's a difference between being goody-goody and good. Sometimes we get all giddy-giddy. And when that happens, we think we're good. But that's not God's heart. God's heart is not that I'm goody-goody, but that the goodness of Jesus Christ is in me. And that humbles me. It doesn't exalt me. These were guys that had that heart. They had that heart to serve. But you know what's interesting here, guys? This is what got a hold of my heart as I looked at this. Um, we had these two guys that are mentioned. They're very gifted. And there's people throughout the body of Christ with, who are gifted. And, and, and that's such an important part of, of how God works. And they were full of wisdom. They were full of the Spirit. And, and that's critical. But when you look at the call, when you look at the office of these guys, it didn't have anything to do with their giftedness, nor did it have anything to do specifically with their their heart of being full with the Spirit and wisdom, that was critical. But you know what their call was? It was to wait on tables. Their call was to be a servant. Their call was to to look around to the need and to be there for the people. To take the food and to distribute it. They were like uh, ancient waiters as they waited on the people. And i got to think about that. What makes a good waiter... And a good waitress. She had a few thoughts. What do I like in a good waiter or waitress? Man, I like somebody who keeps an eye on me. And when my drink gets low, they're there pouring my drink. But they're not standing over me like a hawk, you know, where you get that. They're saying, tip, tip, tip. But I like it, you know, where they keep a watch. And, and then they're there. They're just aware of my need. And so they pour the drink. I, my, my roommate in seminary, he's a pastor now in North Carolina. I, I remember his wife telling me that. This drove her crazy. She's about ready to kill him. She's going to pray for healing for this friend of mine. Said that what he'd do when he wants something to drink is he starts rubbing the top of the glass. She says, you better quit that. <laughs> you better stop it. But that there's an awareness. That, 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 
you know, knows when the right time, when to come and take your place away. The right time to offer a cup of coffee. The right time. And that's the heart of a deacon, Alan, guys. There's the leading of the Holy Spirit so that you're aware of when you're needed. So that you're in tune with God and in tune with those around. That you're not pushing yourself on other people, but, but there's an awareness of, I want to help that person. I want to be there for that person. I, I want to meet the need for that person. Now, I, I want to close with this uh, scripture. As I thought about this, guys, as I thought about a, a, an example here, straight from the scriptures in Luke chapter 4. And in Luke chapter 4, we read about Jesus healing a large number of people. Matter of fact, uh, the heading I have starting at verse 38 in my Bible is Jesus heals many. But 38, it says, Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. You know, as I I read that, I thought about these guys were called to wait on the widows. And then I, I read about this lady who was sick. And once she was healed, she began to wait on Jesus and the others. That was her heart. At first, she wasn't waiting on them because she was sick. She had a fever. But Jesus touched her and Jesus healed her. And when He healed her, what she did, she got up and she began to wait on them. She began to love them through her actions. That's what we need. I'm afraid that too often um, in our churches sit many of us who are sin sick. We obviously must have some kind of spiritual fever. We're not serving. We want all the love to come this way instead of the love to go toward Him and out. That's not the call. And so we're, we're going to have a time of, uh, time of invitation before we have Alan and, and Charlotte come down. I want to just ask, um, as we stand to sing, I ask you to come. Come to the altar. Be a servant. Let God speak to your heart. If you're His, what are you doing for Him? When was the last time you were aware of a need to me? When was the last time you looked not across the continent, but across the street? Let's pray. Lord, uh, we love you, Lord. Father, we want to take some time to bow to you, Lord. I pray this morning, God, that we would follow you. I pray that if we need to come to this altar and pray, we would. I pray if there's a decision that needs to be made, it would be made. I pray that if somebody's here who has thought about Jesus, or maybe really heard for the first time that Jesus died for them, now's the time to deal with that. Now's the time to put the whole weight of your trust upon Jesus Christ and to find a new life, forgiveness, and to become a new person. Because that's what is promised. That unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. 
Is there one that needs to be born from above today? I pray that happens. I just pray you have your way, Lord, as we want to have a time to honor you, Lord. In this time, we call invitation or response. May we respond to you, whether it involves coming up front or not. May we respond to you. In your name we pray. Amen.